Pastor Allen's greeting on this uh, made-up holiday, right? <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. But uh, hey, it's good, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, that if we don't think about it any other day of the year, at least once a year, uh, we'll focus in on that uh, romance thing. Uh, I know my wife appreciates it, and I'm sure your spouses do also. Picked a good Sunday to be here because we're starting a new series. We usually teach on some topic for four or five weeks. And uh, for a couple of reasons, I have too much to say to get it done in one. But also, it's, uh, we don't really retain stuff when we just hear it once, usually. So the series is called Not Falling in Love. So we're going to talk about that. That's easy. Stay in love. That's the hard part, right? And today's topic is the Juno Dilemma. Now, this title comes from a movie from years ago called Juno. How many of you saw that movie? Oh, quite a few of you. Not too many in the first service. Anyway, I really like this movie for a couple of reasons. But to give you a little synopsis, uh, synopsis if you haven't uh, seen the movie, it's about a teenage girl who gets pregnant. Now, typically in Hollywood, a teenage girl gets pregnant, what's she, what are they going to have her do? She's going to go off to the abortion clinic and have it aborted, right? Well, in the movie, she goes off to the abortion clinic but decides not to have an abortion. So then she has a decision to make, what am I going to do? And so she decides to put up the, tr- the baby for adoption. So anyway, her parents are divorced, and she lives with her dad, and her dad's been remarried for about, as we're going to see here in a second, uh, about 10 years. We don't really know how that relationship's going. He says it's pretty good, but obviously the first one didn't work out. He meets the, the, she meets the couple that's going to adopt the baby, and their relationship's not very good. And then she doesn't really have a boyfriend. She's got a father of the baby, but they don't have a boyfriend. They don't have a good relationship. And so about two-thirds of the way the move, through the movie, she comes to her dad and talks to her dad about, hey, I'm pregnant. This is what I decided to do. And of course, if you're a dad and your daughter comes to you and says this, how are you going to react? And you kind of expect some kind of dramatic thing. And the interesting thing is he really is an understanding dad and kind of a funny dad. And we're just going to show you a short clip about that interchange. And she's going to ask a question that's going to be the basis of this uh, teaching series. So let's watch the clip. You're looking a little morose, honey. What's eating you? Just like losing my faith with humanity. Wow, can you narrow that down for me? I just wonder if, like, two people can stay together for good. You mean like couples? Yeah, like people in love. Are you having boy trouble? Because i got to be honest, I don't really much approve of you dating in your condition. That's uh, kind of messed up. No, Dad, it's not. I mean, that's pretty skanky. Isn't that what you girls call it? Skanky? Skeevy? Please stop. Tore up from the floor up? <laughs> that's, that's not what it's about, I... I just need to know that it's possible that two people can stay happy together forever. Well, it's not easy, that's for sure. And uh, I don't have the best track record in the world, I know, but I've been with your stepmother for 10 years now, and I'm proud to say we're very happy. Look, in my opinion, the best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are. Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, it might be a good one to 
to see. Uh, right, so she asked a really important question, a profound question, a question we probably all have asked and we would like an answer. I, I wonder sometimes if people, if, uh, if people ever stay together for good, like people in, in love. Dad, I need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. Now, the problem is our experience tells us that's not very likely. Maybe you've come from a broken home or parents have been divorced. And maybe you've been divorced and I'm not judging you. I have no idea what your situation was like. Uh, maybe you're in a marriage or, or some relationship and you're not happy right now. And then we see other people. We see the divorce statistics and, and we just say, you know, 40 or so percent are divorced and half the other people married aren't happy. They're just kind of putting up with each other. They're kind of like roommates. Uh, yeah. So, is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever? Not just together, but happy together. Now, even though it doesn't look good, and it doesn't look too promising as we look around at our parents' relationships, other people's relationships, but there's something inside of us that wants it to be true. And maybe it is true for your relationship. I can say it's pretty much true of mine, but... Uh, uh, Maybe it is true. And if you're single here, that's probably what you're looking for, right? You want to find that soulmate, we say, and we're going to be happy and live happily ever after. We want to be, you know, 50, 60, 70 years down the road. We're both pushing our, our little uh, walkers down the, the, the hall at the nursing home, and we sit down and hold our shaky hands together and pray for our meal. That's kind of what we will all desire. That's what we all want. That's what we all hope for. Um, <clears throat> a level of communication, a level of intimacy. Um, my wife and I have been married almost 40 years and uh, you know that thing where you finish each other's sentences sometime. Or you don't even have to speak. You know what the other person's thinking. And uh, it's something wonderful about it. <clears throat> uh, a level uh, that we all desire to get to. <clears throat> but can it happen? Will it happen? And our answer initially to this question is this. It may be possible. You know, maybe I know one couple that's that way. But it's just not probable. The odds are stacked against us all. Now, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about falling in love. That's easy. You've done that probably lots of times in your lifetime. You've fallen in love with people you don't even know. Somebody on TV screen or some singer or, or actress or sports figure. Uh, I remember uh, in first grade, we started school back in the old days in first grade. <laughs> and I remember coming home from first grade and telling my mom I had a girlfriend. Her name was Christina. I still remember that. A long time ago. And I wanted to ride my bike over to see her, to see her, to her house and see her. My mom, my parents wouldn't let me do that. But uh, so, you know, we fall in love as, as, as children. We fall in love as uh, in middle schoolers. Um, maybe we have our first crush then. Um, uh, high school. You know, sometimes in high school we get, you know, there's the 
the, the, the girls, you know, in my case, the girls. Now, fortunately, in my case, I was friends with the girl, uh, Miss Andover, Andover High School, because she was also the valedictorian of our school. That's a little unusual, but that was the case. So the pop- most popular girl uh, was also the smartest girl. And so I was in the upper level classes, so we became friends. But as far as any kind of relationship with her, I certainly didn't, didn't have that. And maybe you admired somebody across the room in high school or in college or at work or someplace else, but you never, ever got together. So it's never been easier to fall in love. It's really easy. In fact, there's like 1,500 organizations that'll help you find your soulmate if you pay them some money, right? And I don't think it's a bad thing. In fact, our daughter and Brian are sitting up here. That's how you guys connected, I think, right? The online thing. And I know lots of other people, Pastor Chris and his wife that used to be here. So that might be a good way to go about it. But uh, it's never been easier to fall in love, but it's never been harder to stay in love. And I want to share with you a few reasons why I think that's true. First, what we've had modeled for us. Uh, Your parents, I don't know what your marriage was like, but uh, they're like my parents. Especially before they became believers, it was really rocky. My dad would go off and come back and the whole deal, the yelling and all that kind of stuff. It got much better after they became believers and then not long after my dad died. That's the model I have, all right? My wife's parents divorced, so that's the model she had. And I don't know what model you have, but most of us don't have great models, not only just our own parents, it might be our, our grandparents, it might be our, our siblings, it, it might be best friends, uh, just not a lot of good models out there. Whatever is modeled for us, that is the kind of the <laughs> rules of relationships that we adopt because we don't know anything else. We don't know anything better. So we come from, all of us, from dysfunctional families in some respects, some worse than others, and so we're dysfunctional people. And so, it's difficult. Uh, the father in the film said, you know, it's hard. It's hard because of what we've had modeled. In fact, kind of the model we have is this, do unto others as they deserve to be done to. Or do unto others as they've done to me. Or do unto others until I get what I want. These are kind of the models that we have, isn't it? And we don't see people thriving. We don't see th- people with great relationship. We just see people surviving. And I don't know about you, but I want more than that. I want something better than that. And I, and I think there is something better than that. So the, it's difficult because of the models we have. Secondly, it's difficult because of what we have emotionally felt. The experts, they, whoever they are, <laughs> tell us if you're going to grow up to be a healthy uh, uh, emotionally strong uh, mature emotional person You and I need massive doses of, and here's the list. Not just a little bit, but we need a lot of it, all right? So we need a lot of respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, affection. Those of you who are parents, a lot of you are parents, this is what you need to pour into your kids so they'll be emotionally stable when they grow up and be equipped to have positive relationships when they grow up. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like my, my upbringing. And probably it's not upbringing for most of you. So already, the odds are stacked against us. We are emotionally somewhat crippled or handicapped. All right? So we get into a relationship, and you know what we look for? 
Well, we look for a hot girl or a handsome guy. We do that too. But this is what we're really looking for. And what happens during the dating relationship is we usually offer this stuff, right? You don't disrespect the person you're dating. You you don't disapprove of them. You don't, uh, you know, withhold these things. So you do offer these things. And so what happens after, you know, you develop a relationship, maybe you get married. What happens after time is your spouse or, you know, significant other doesn't offer all of that that you think you need. And so what used to be hugs turn into like squeezes. Because if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to squeeze it out of you. And so that's why that person that you just couldn't wait till they, you heard them come home or you couldn't wait till, nowadays, I guess, till they texted you or, or they called you on the phone and your phone lights up. And even me, 40 years later, my wife's name shows up there. I'm excited to talk to her, right? After a while, it gets to the place where I wish they wouldn't come home. I wish they wouldn't call because they're not giving me respect, encouragement, comfort, security, approval, attention, and affection. And so we're not equipped to have healthy (laughs) emotional relationships because we didn't get it all, what we needed growing up. So we're deficient. We are almost starving or malnutrition, uh, nourished in this area. So that's another reason it's really difficult to stay in love. Another reason is our culture. Our culture doesn't encourage us to stay in love. In fact, our culture is uh, kind of wired the other way. I'll put this up on the screen. Our culture has a really low relational threshold of pain. So what's culture say to you? All right? As long as you're happy, hang in there. Gets a little bumpy, a little rocky. Bail. Just, you know, go find somebody else, right? If it's painful, we don't like pain. We like to be happy. You know, I, I was happy before. You know, I'll find another person to be happy with. So that's what culture, in fact, culture goes on to say, would say this. If you're not happy, it's because you're with the wrong person. Now, let's be honest. Most of us have said that, or at least thought that. In fact, my wife and I raised our hands. You know, I think I told you a story last week. Our 13th year of marriage was really rocky. And I know she and I did too thought, this is the wrong person. We just, we don't, we just don't, don't fit. Anyway, so you go from one person to another person, from relationship to relationship. While it's happy, you hang in there. If it's not happy, you you bail. Very few people say, I do means I do. It means I do until I'm not happy anymore. So I always tell these people that that jump from relationship to relationship, what do all these relationships have in common? You, right? You. You. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a few minutes. So if you meet some couple that's been happily married, we'll say happily married for 20 plus years, and you ask them, it's like us, did you ever feel like you married the wrong person? And almost universally, you're going to get the answer, yes. Yeah, one time or sometimes I did. But I didn't bail. I didn't give up. We hung in there. We worked on a relationship. And like I would say, uh, the smartest thing I ever did was to hang in there with them. My uh, relationship with my wife. So here's the reality. Um, Choosing the right person is important. And if you're a Jesus follower, it's important that you get uh, connected with another Jesus follower. If you're single, the best explanation I ever heard of this was this. 
You just need to run along following Jesus as fast and as hard as you can and just look to one side or the other and see who's, who's doing the same thing. And that's your perfect mate or soulmate. Great, great uh, wisdom in that statement, I believe. So it, it, choosing the right person is important, all right? But way more or farther important is learning to be the right person, all right? And that's what we're going to be talking about teaching the next four weeks. Culture does not give you help <laughs> in this area. Culture says, hey, if you're not happy, jump. If you're not happy, move on. Culture doesn't help in, in, in this way. So back to our question. Is it possible for two people to stay in love or stay together forever? And the, our answer is, it may be possible, but it's not po- probable. It's not likely. Now, you all feel encouraged this morning, right? Got off to a good start. Now, and we all have our stories of our hurts and our failures and, and our uh, problems that we've had. We all have those stories. Now, fortunately, Jesus is our model and our teacher in all things, uh, especially relational. And Jesus gets his guys together, and he's going to teach us the foundation of all healthy relationships. Now, I'm applying this to romantic relationships, but this applies to all relationships. Uh, they can be healthy. They can be better. So we're going to look at a verse, just this one thing Jesus said, and we've looked at it before, but a little different context, and uh, flesh it out a little bit. So here we go. He's talking in, uh, to his disciples. This is actually the last night of his life. In fact, he has just washed the disciples' feet, which is kind of mind-boggling. And I'd be just like Peter. No, Jesus, no, no, you can't do this. And so he's just done that. And then he says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, if you were uh, an Israelite, a Jew, you didn't want any more commandments. All right, they had the 10 like we have, and most of us can't even remember the 10. They had over 600 more. So they didn't even know half of them. But they had all these rules, all these commandments. And so Jesus said, hey, I got a new one for you. I got another one for you. And you know, I'm sure they're thinking, that's all we need is another commandment, 600 and whatever number would, would be. Now, by new, he doesn't necessarily mean you've never heard this before. This is brand new. This word means kind of uh, you haven't really thought about this before. You haven't thought about it correctly before. This is really something uh, remarkable. So, what is this new commandment, Jesus? Love each other. I'm sure they're thinking like you're thinking, Pastor, you needed to study more this, this week. <laughs> I think I know that one. I've heard that one before. And, of course, the disciples had heard that one before. But this is also an imperative. That means it's a command. It's not a suggestion. So if you're not a Jesus follower, you can ignore this. But if you're a Jesus follower, hey, we don't have options about this, Okay. He says, you must love each other. That's the best translation I can come, come up with. You've got to do this. All right? Now, commands coming from Jesus aren't uh, kind of things. He is all loving and all wise. And so he said, hey, this must be the best thing. Right? So this isn't, you know, he's going to describe love. And he's going to say, love is not something you fall into and fall out of. 
Not the kind of love that Jesus is going to talk about. In fact, I don't think Jesus would have been a very good marriage counselor, kind of, kind of like I'm probably not. Because he would have said to you, you tell him your problems, he comes saying, are you loving each other? Well, we used to, but we're not now. We don't like each other. Are you loving each other? That's the command. Go home and love each other. And then he would send you home. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm just conjecturing. So, what he's really saying is this, and this is the easiest way for me to remember it is, you're confusing love as a noun with love as a verb. Love isn't something, uh, a noun, it's an action, it's something we do. So he's saying, love one another is make love a verb, make it something you do. Now what we think about, or a big part of what we think about, is this feeling, right? And so, when we're not happy, we want to have the happy feeling back. That's what we're searching for. That's what we're after. We want to feel happy. <clears throat> and we think, when did I feel happy? You know, back when I was dating and back when we were first married, you know, I felt happy. But now I don't feel happy. The feeling is gone. So Jesus is saying this. The goal isn't to recapture a feeling. Now, Again, back in the beginning of the relationship, uh, the feelings kind of drove the relationship. They were kind of the engine to the relationship. But after you've been together for a while, the feelings needs to become the caboose of the relationship. That makes any sense? Um, so what is the engine? Well, the engine is loving one another. And the definition I use for love is just doing what's best for the other person. So that becomes the engine. All right. I do what's best for you. If we let that be the engine, then once the engine goes past, what, what follows the engine? Well, the caboose. So the caboose will come. The feelings will come. I mentioned back in our 13th year of marriage when we went to marriage counseling and all that. It's ex- we didn't know he was doing that, but our counselor, that's exactly what he did. What he called, called them caring day exercises. So the first week we had one to do. Even though I didn't want to do it, I did it because it my counselor told me to do it. And then the next week, they added another one. So we're doing these caring things. We were loving the other person, actions, even though the feelings weren't there. Well, guess what happens? The feelings came back. I've said this often. Some of you have heard me say that. It's a lot easier to act yourself into a feeling than to feel yourself into an action. And that's basically what Jesus is teaching, teaching us here. So he's talking about it's an action. Now, so if you're struggling with that or you don't want to do that, he tells us why we need to do that or how to do that. Just as I have loved you, ah, you should love each other. So I don't take my cue from my parents' relationship. I don't take my cue from my wife's parents' relationship. I don't take my cue from my best friend's relationship or or my aunts or uncles or anybody else. I certainly don't take my cue from culture and from movie stars and those. I take my cue when I learn about or act in loving ways towards one another from Jesus. That's, my, that's where I get my key, cue. And on top of that, Jesus said, I will teach you how to do this. I model it, and I also teach you how to do that. Now, I want to look at one other verse by a guy named Paul, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote letters, started churches, and wrote letters to them. When we look at this verse, it's kind of flushing out what Jesus said, but he uses a bad word, all right? 
So I'm going to warn you ahead of time. It's a bad word. And when you, when you hear this word or you read this word, you're going to go, oh, yeah, that, uh, I don't like that word. But we'll hang in there and I'll, I'll, we'll try and explain it to you. So this is in a, a letter he wrote in Ephesians, a church at Ephesus. And here he goes. Submit to one another. Love one another. That's foundation. This is kind of fleshing it out. Uh, submit to one another, again, out of reverence for Christ. So this is the foundation of relationships, especially loving relationships, intimate relationships. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It really describes an unconditional relationship, right? And we're going to look at this next week, but Jesus submitted himself to us. Again, washing the feet. He certainly shouldn't have done that. But he did because he was modeling for us unconditional love. Disciples didn't deserve to have Jesus wash his feet, did they? So it's not about what we deserve. Submitting is about loving unconditionally. So another way to put it is this way. Uh, Mutual submission equals the fact that you're the priority. Now, If you've seen this, if you've seen this working, if you've seen this operate, if you've seen a couple doing this, it's something you want. I'll guarantee you. It's something, if you don't have it, especially you want. And it's kind of like, like this. Um, in my case, Deb, you're, you're my priority today. And Deb says to me, no, you're my priority today. And then I say, no, you're, you're my priority today. And then she says, no, you're my priority today. And I've shared this with you before. That's the kind of fights we ought to have as couples, okay? And you might never walk into a building because I'm going to hold the door for her and she's going to say, no, I want to hold the door for you and I'm going to say, no, I want to hold the door for you. <laughs> and the win win is this. When the other person, in this case, I, my, my win is she gives in. Okay, I'll let, I'll let you make me the priority now. And when our relationships aren't good, what is, what is our win? When I get you to do what I want you to do. It's a whole different mentality. So, you're the priority actually literally means to put myself under. All right? You're above me. Not because you deserve it. Um, not because of, you know, any other kind of artificial thing. I've just made the choice that you're going to be more important than me. Now, I'll admit it isn't logical. It doesn't seem to make sense. Now, I've been a pastor here for 25 years. And one of the interesting things, exciting things, is to see kids grow up, get married. Sometimes I do their, wed- their counseling and their wedding. And especially it's, it's encouraging when I, I see somebody that maybe came from a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, and they might not even be Jesus followers, their parents. But they become Jesus followers. They, they fall in love with Jesus. They accept his gift of salvation and forgiveness. And they want to do what God wants more than what they want. And they get connected with maybe another person like that that hasn't had maybe the, the best uh, upbringing or home life. And so they're both emotionally crippled. And as they follow Jesus, they get emo- more emotionally healthy. And then they get married. And as an outsider, I look at that and I think, Man, the chance the, the chance the chance of this working are man, it's about zero. You know, uh, from their backgrounds, 
But again, they, they want what, more what God wants than what they want, and then that, that relationship grows and that relationship works. It's just a beautiful thing, thing to see. <clears throat> now, Jesus, again, is our example. And he was willing to come to earth, suffer horribly, be betrayed, be abused, uh, tortured, and die just so you and I would have a, a possibility of an intimate relationship with God. He did that for us uh, completely, fully, unconditionally. So when we ask our question, is it possible for somebody to stay, fall in love and stay in love forever? Again, not probable, but possible. If I decide daily to make, in my case, Deb, my, the priority, and she decides daily to make me the priority, the relationship gets better and better. Again, the answer is possible, not very probable. Now, some of you guys are probably going to have watched or be watching romantic comedies. <laughs> uh, and I don't mind watching those. They're kind of fun sometimes. But you know why? They're, one reason I like them because they're short. About an hour and 25 minutes usually. They're over. You know why? And why there's no two-hour romantic comedies? Because if they go much longer than that, it isn't happily ever after anymore, right? Exactly. My wife loves those things. And she wants to, what's that, Hallmark Channel? She just, yeah. I said, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen, but I like that, right? <laughs> so, anyway, next week, I'm going to give you homework. I know folks don't like homework, but, and this is in your materials. We've got a bunch of these. So I'd encourage you to take several of these with you and give them to other people, people you care about, people you like to help. On the front side is the part of the Bible we're going to look at next week. And uh, I'd like you to read this, like once a day. Uh, that's not too difficult. So when I'm talking about it next week, you'll, it'll be familiar to you. And it'll be a little easier for me. And it'll be easier for you or, or, or better for you to, to learn uh, from that passage of Scripture. On the back, back are some questions. And if you're in a relationship, I would, I mean, it's up to you. But I would suggest that you not discuss these together. Just kind of answer them for yourself. At least after next week. Well, if you want to, that's fine. But um, I don't want you sitting on opposite sides of the room next week, okay? <laughs> so uh, hopefully that won't be the result. So look at the questions, at least in your head, kind of answer those. Uh, what would my relationship look like? Uh, how would it be better, etc. <clears throat> now, if you're not a Jesus person, if you're not a Jesus follower, if, you know, if somebody brought you here just because maybe they're the spouse or... Uh, or maybe somebody just invited, hey, the pastor's going to talk about relationships and help you make your relationship better. I understand that. I accept that. That's fine. Let me just ask you a favor. If this Bible stuff isn't really real, is this stuff going to hurt you? It's not going to hurt you, right? So can you just try it? Just try it. It's going to be hard. The stuff we're going to talk about is hard. But a bad relationship is hard, right? So let's do something hard to make it better rather than do something hard to make it worse. So that would be my, my favor to ask of you if you're not a Jesus follower.
this part of the Bible gives us maybe one of the best glimpses of God's love for us that we find. It's kind of hard to understand that, isn't it? That God would love us that way. But this, this, this part of the Bible talks about that. So, please, do your homework this week and hopefully come back next week and uh, join us. Bring somebody else with you. So we're going to pray and do a, a final song and then we'll let you go. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for our relationships. We say this often, life is, relationships are good, life is good. When relationships are bad, life is really bad. <clears throat> and sometimes it's really confusing, you know, how, how was my life, how was our relationship so good at one time and now, now so bad? And we don't really have to figure all that out, I don't think. Just need to start doing the right things. And oh, it's hard. But when, it's up, when the relationship's bad, it's, it's really hard anyway. For singles here, God, I would pray that they would learn these principles, adapt these principles, start using those principles in whatever relationships they have now so when they find that, that right person, their relationship will start off right and just continually grow stronger. And then we pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower, God, that doesn't understand what you love them, that they would come to a, a little better understanding of what that means and what that's all about. They might even come to a place, and not today, that soon, that they would say, yes, that, that, that's something I want. In fact, that kind of love is Irresistible. And if those of you are in a relationship, if you want your, you, yourself to be irresistible, love your spouse. Love your loved one that way. God, we thank you that you are a personal God, that we have a, a love relationship with you. And as that relationship grows, it'll help our relationship with one another grow. Father, thank you for your presence here. We thank you for what your Bible has to teach us. Such great uh, wisdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've got your connect card, any kind of decision you make, question, comments. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, somebody will collect those probably uh, somewhere through the middle of the song. Thanks.